1: This is the Piffles podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks so much for joining us this week. My name is Alex.
0: I am Steve. And I am on location in Calgary looking for our offense.
2: Bring it back with you, if you wouldn't mind. That'd be nice.
0: I just want Are one sh- deep ball. Just one deep ball. Can we please make one of those?
2: Are we sure the offense ever showed up to Calgary for him to find?
0: That is true. This, this might be a fool's errand. We Probably might be in out.
2: the better spot
1: half an hour late showing up for this meeting greg was just like the riders offense against calgary last week we'll get to that in just a second check us out on twitter at PifflesPod. pod you can give me a follow at real alex d find me at Safamod.
0: and you know what don't follow me on sports i give up i hate all of you do not follow me right now do not i'm getting more love from es- uh, sorry elks fans than i am from anyone else
2: oh we got
1: we got some drama in elks land uh to talk about in a little bit here as well check us they out need to
2: on- find all the support they can get greg
1: <laughs> and also check us out on facebook facebook.com slash piffles podcast and the website pifflespodcast.com. piffles podcast is brought to you by our great friends at dairy queen on elphinstone street and sass drive in regina check them out boys another pumpkin pie blizzard this past week fantastic
0: pecan pie blizzard will change it will change your world dude. and it's a butter tart without the raisins it's amazing
2: that sounds terrible it isn't just like having a pumpkin pie in in august why do we allow steve
0: on the show
2: i don't know He's garbage takes like that I, I
0: i think we allow him just for because we get like uh, like the uh, transitional property of hair he carries us <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) He's got, he's got right now with that flow, he's got enough hair for the three of us, which is kind of (laughs) scary.
1: Well, good for you, Steve. Let's uh, get right to the opening kickoff.
0: I'm laughing before it even goes. It doesn't matter. Uh,
1: That sounder will get you every single time. Uh, Riders at Calgary Stampeders last week. The box score looks close. It was a loss 23 to 17. So it was a six point loss, but it really felt like a lot more than that. Let's start off with the beginning of the game where the team came out completely flat. That's if, if they even came out of the tunnel to start the game because they were nowhere to be found guys.
0: That was the world's closest blowout. That game just felt like we were just had, they had their foot in our throats the entire game yet we were within one score. It, it was a terrible game from start to finish. I hated every minute of it. Well,
2: I left about four minutes of it.
0: The only thing I really enjoyed was the fact that we kept on getting onside kicks. Well, that's you're jumping way down the list here, but uh, like I look that, at the list that, that
1: <laughs> there's a list. I waste my, my minutes setting up a, a lineup for this show. You guys like, thanks a lot. I put a lot of effort in that one minute of planning this show. Um, but the, the start of that game, like it just, it, I kind of joked around. It's going to be somebody that we've never heard of. That's going to come out and just dominate the riders because that was a game that they should have won. And you can blame me for the loss because I actually picked the riders last week and I picked them to, to lose the previous two weeks and they won both those. So I guess this is my fault, but they you really just, do
0: work with Jamie and I, don't you?
1: Yeah, I do. Way too, way too much sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but some guy named Bane, some some Batman character, ended up scoring a touchdown against the Riders. And it was just, they just came out flat. The, the defense was terrible for the first quarter. They settled down after that. The defense was very good after that, only allowing nine points the rest of the game. So they really did show up after. But that first quarter, that's what did it to the Riders this game.
0: Yeah, that first quarter like killed because Riders could only get field goals and the Stamps are actually scoring majors. That was the difference right there. And, but it's always with Calgary. It's always someone's coming out part against the riders. It's either, it was either, it was Hergie, uh 2019. It's Bain this year. And I'm certain we can go down the list. There's always some uh, obscure receiver Calgary puts out there that ends up purchasing the riders for a game, but yeah, the riders just came out flat. And if, if you want to, ch- we're well, we not challenging for first anymore, but if, if you want to keep that home playoff game, you need to win those games.
1: So let's take a look at the offense here throughout that game. The only person that seemed to make a play was Kean Schaefer-Baker. And he's turning into the team's number one receiver. And while that's good, I like seeing, you know, the young guy step up in his first season. He was a draft pick in 2020. That's not the way it should be. You shouldn't have your veterans stepping up. Where's Kyron Moore in this offense? Like they're just, are you guys think that they're just not using Kyron Moore properly? Um, is is he missing Shaq Evans more than anybody else like what's going on here he Schaefer Baker is the only legitimate weapon right now And if I'm Cody Fajardo I'm peppering him with 25 targets a game because he's the only guy that can make a catch in
2: coverage and get yards I think what we're seeing here is Kyran Moore is a great number two receiver but he's not the guy you want leading your receiving core and with Shaq Evans out He's getting he's getting their top coverage play in and play out, and he can't seem to beat it. I mean, it's it's leaving Schaefer Baker open more often than not. So it's it's a positive in the long run, but he's gotta start making plays until uh Evans comes back. And we're we're hearing he's yeah, you know, three to four weeks out yet. That's that's two, three more games where we gotta see uh Karan Moore as the number one receiver.
0: But but even you had situations where Lennius was getting open. And it was like he had the yips, he just could not catch a ball. Like it was hitting him flat in the hands. And it looked like Kenny Shaw out there, like just like frying pan hands all over.
2: And that's that's the kind of game you expect from your young first year receivers, not what we've been seeing week in and week out from Schaefer Baker over the last month.
1: Well, and jump into
2: that jump into that
1: fourth quarter, Schaefer Baker. There's we finally had that deep ball. And it they finally connected on it. Seventy one yards set up the uh the Powell touchdown. And I, I don't know what else to say with this offense right now other than they're just kind of stuck without Shaq Evans. And I don't know what's up with Cody. He was hitting all the deep balls in twenty nineteen. He's not hitting them this year. And Schaefer Baker's the only option on offense.
2: Oh, man, I think it was Jamie Nye that put out a, a tweet either yesterday or the day before where he showed the stats for deep balls after eight games last year and eight games this year. The Riders were number one in the league after eight games last year. And our, the quarterback rating through eight games this year is negative. They could not be worse. It's, it's kind of awful. And I don't know what it is, but that, if we could get more like that throw to Schaefer Baker, that would be fantastic because that was a perfectly placed ball. I don't, I don't want to
0: put a lot of it on the receivers, though, because there's a few where the receiver was free and Cody was just 10 yards, five yards too far. Like, I don't know if it's a timing issue, especially with Kyron Moore. He just can't seem to hit Kyron on those open balls because like, Kyron is free, but and you can't really blame it on a height difference by that much. But like, it, it is way too far for him to even run underneath it.
2: You know, we talked about uh, Moore needing to step up. If, if uh, Fajardo is five yards shorter on three passes, there was three, three passes in the end zone uh, that he's missed already to Moore this season, where, where Moore was walking into the end zone. The, the deep ball is what's been haunting Cody since week one. And there was that third and, uh, that third and what was it, two yards? Third and
1: two early yep. in the game where he missed Kyron Moore wide open. And that was, a, that was probably a
0: touchdown. Yeah, what was with the, the play call with the Dickinson brothers going for those third and uh, lo- longers? Just, uh, I don't know, a little, a
2: little brother, brotherly uh, fighting there I enjoyed. I, like I love the, like that. I love that play call. If he, if he connects, nobody's questioning it. And the play was there, the, he was wide open, he just missed. And, and I kind of
1: joked around at work about this, about Cody Fajardo and how he's missing all the the. The deep balls, and he just seems off this year. And I'm starting to actually wonder if I maybe we're onto something here. Without Shaq Evans, Shaq Evans came down with a lot of those 50-50 balls, and that was the big talk this week was 50-50 balls with Cody Fajardo. And it makes me wonder. We all have, we I I like Cody Fajardo. I really do. I think he's a very good quarterback, but he's not at that elite level yet because he's not hitting these. And he does. granted, he doesn't have his number one receiver with him. But did Shaq Evans really, really make that much of a difference to this offense in 2019 to 2021? Because that was a Stephen McAdoo offense in 2021, not a Jason Moss offense, which we thought we were going to get a much better offense. We're seeing a much worse offense, even though, I mean, they're still, for the most part, kind of putting up points, but it's almost in spite of themselves that they're doing this. So is Cody really in that upper echelon where we all Kind of thought he was going into this season, or is he just kind of in that middle pack
0: still? We got to remember this is Cody's second year as a starter. Like you can you can argue that first year we caught lightning in a bottle. No one knew what Cody was. No one knew what the Riders' offense was going to be, and caught a bunch of defenses flat-footed. This year they're definitely playing the Riders a lot tighter. They're looking for that deep ball because that's where the Riders made their money in 2019 was that deep ball. And now you lose Shack, Cody. For some reason, can't find Kyron Moore, and you got a bunch of young Canadians. And now JWL's out for the year too. So it's it hasn't been easy. But the Riders are still second place in the West. We like it, it's it's hard to fault this team because they're still second place. But it's also hard to watch a team and know they can be better.
2: It's really interesting. If you look back to week one, we start off the season with what was it? Three straight touchdown drives and everyone was celebrating Jason Moss's offense and everything's looking hunky-dory. Those same fans are the ones that are, are ripping into Moss a short six weeks later because that same offense isn't working anymore.
0: Welcome to Rider nation. <laughs>
2: Well, we'll get to those uh,
1: more talk about deep balls and, and Cody Forgato in a second. I do want to give props at the end of the game, obviously, Brett Lother and the onside kicks. That first one that they got, they called interference on, I think it was Schaefer Baker. Uh, no, was... it was
0: Pickton. Uh, no, oh, it was, okay, Hardy. I mean, it was... Jake Hardy. Oh, oh that's right. Hardy, was... yeah.
1: That's right. It was Hardy. Uh, but it's was... <laughs> eh, ticky tacky call they, they, in my Okay, opinion, here's
0: but... the thing. They never call that. And... Yeah, he went hard into the guy. If he just would that's have turned his, job his head. on
1: that play, though.
0: I know, I know. But that's, believe me, they do it all the time. I can't believe they made that call, especially on review. But the fact, like, if he would have just jumped backwards into the guy, they would have argued while he was at least trying to make the play, he definitely tried to plow that guy, which happens in every single onside kick. Problem is, though, the team usually never recovers it anyway. <laughs> so they never review it.
1: And then, of course, they get the second onside kick, which really didn't count because there was a timeout called right before that kick. And but the third one, Brett Lawther, oh my goodness, that ball's little steel. squib kick, the squib kick going forward, knowing you're going to take hits as a kicker, like that's yeah, balls of steel right there. Like that was perfectly executed, kicked it exactly ten yards. And what was great about that, in in my opinion, was he ran past the ball just one yard so that he could block the ball from getting touched by somebody else by using his body to kind of shield it. So it wasn't like he was diving forward to getting it. He was kind of almost coming back to the ball to get it at the 10 yard mark, which was brilliant. And obviously took the hit and missed the first day of practice this week, I guess, uh, because of it, but he could honestly, he for get that
0: play, they should just give him the week off. Like, yeah, oh, you're yeah. fine. <laughs> just kind of show up and kick. You should, show up in the game. You're, you'll be fine.
1: So props to Brett Lothar for those onside kicks and, and to, well, that, especially that third one, the one that uh, actually counted. And uh, he did that all on his own. That was, he was supposed to be doing it to the, the regular sidelines. And he decided that, guys, there's nobody in front of me. Let's let, I'm just going to do this. And uh, it worked
2: out. Well, if you watch his, his lineup, he does his little, he shifted to the left to kick it to the right. And then he walked over to the other side of the ball, aimed like he was kicking left. And you watch both guys in the middle spread out uh, with each move to each side, leaving that gaping hole for him to just, you know, like you said, squib it into. He he definitely lived up to his uh, Brett effing Lother nickname on that play.
0: Uh, yeah. Like I probably watched that replay a million times this past week, just because it was so cool to watch. Cause yeah. Is a little dance and you just see this two, those two stamps just run the opposite direction. And he's like, screw it. Just a little tap. And yeah, but yeah, he played that to perfection because yeah, if you would have dove from behind to stop that ball, he might, they might've ruled him as short, but the fact that he went around to block the ball was like heads up play. You you can't ask too much from a kicker on that one.
1: But of course that set up the uh, really weird third down play call instead of just going for a first down it was a throw up into double coverage to ricardo lewis a really just bad throw which cody came off the field and said i hate that effing play and didn't really want to throw it there but that was the play call from from jason moss so that's what he did obviously after the game that was the interception the game was over from there um we can go on about whether we thought that was the right play call. I think we'd all agree that we probably should have, with the amount of time that was still on the clock, there was still, what, 50 seconds left. Take your chance. Just get the first down, throw it out to the to the sidelines, do a slant inside to Schaefer-Baker. Why are you not throwing it to Schaefer-Baker there? That's my, my main concern. Get it to him. He's the only guy making plays, getting yards. Get it to him. Anyway, Cody Fajardo, post-game, called out the team. By saying we got to find guys other than Schaefer Baker who are going to go up and get that ball and to see Cody frustrated like that every a lot of people were mad I'm not gonna say everybody a lot of people were mad and oh, that's not what the quarterback should do is do it in public. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it, it shows Cody is it shows Cody's human it shows how much he wants to win. Okay. This is pro sports. These players have heard it from their coaches. They've heard it from fans. They hear it from their teammates. They know when they're not doing good. They're not stupid. But to have your leader of your team come out and say that, that's going to motivate you. That's going to be that kick in the ass you need to go up and make that play next time, to go out and dive that extra yard for a ball. Like Cody was frustrated and deservedly. So he called it out. Now, of course he apologized on Tuesday, which. I think that was just a big old PR move. Um, And he owned it as well. He said, if I threw balls more accurately, we wouldn't be having this conversation and and we wouldn't be talking about so many jump balls if I could just hit the open receivers. So what's your guys' take on on Cody Fajardo's comments anyway, following the game, 50-50 balls, and then apologizing on Tuesday?
2: I think he was half right in making the comment originally. I don't think the apology was necessary. I don't think any single member or teammate of his would expect an apology there. I mean, we, we sit here as fans and we, we crave players who make legitimate post-game comments outside of, you know, we gave it 110% and every single cliche answer known to man. And then the the guy comes out and you know what, I'm going to say how I feel. And then you you get, get on him for that. No, you can't have it both ways. You can't ask a guy to, to tell you it what he really thinks and then give him hell for it. I'm all for it. I'd love to see him come out and, and be more open and honest with, uh, with his post game thoughts. You
0: know what I want, I want his wife to come out and say that uh, uh, he can't catch the ball, throw it as well. Cause that's what great quarterback wives do.
1: <laughs> so that means there's what, another three championships coming Cody's way. Perfect. I, great. <laughs> love it.
0: I hope a bunch actually, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, like, like come on the guy the guy is human as much as we want to deify the guy he's allowed to be mad and yes Cody is from our experience dealing with him is a very kind and very quiet man he's wonderful but the dude's a competitor he is a bloody competitor and yeah he's going to be frustrated. he's going to be angry but I think we saw both sides of Cody Fajardo that uh, in this past week he, he's both going to be angry and he, he's going to be feel sorry and he's going to apologize that's just who he is
1: you mentioned the competitor
0: this is the same
1: quarterback we're talking about that kept stats in his beer league softball team in cody fajardo so <laughs> you know he's super competitive i hated that he apologized
0: no. I think it was, said, it, was un, said, it was unneeded, but if he didn't, you you, you were going to hear you're going to hear chirping. You, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, and that like I said, that was just that was the PR spin of it to try to appease some fans. No. He would have addressed the team in the locker room. He would have talked to his receivers, he would have talked to Jason Moss in the locker room and he would have called them out and they would have called him back out, vice versa, whatever. That stays in the locker room and that's where it needs to stay. This stuff coming out Like in the media where he has to apologize and, well, well, could you imagine if a receiver said, well, if Cody passed me the ball or threw it accurately, well, it doesn't matter. But
0: we we had Duran Carter for a couple of years. Like, come on, guys. (laughs) Yeah, this is this is nothing. (laughs) This is nothing. This is literally nothing.
1: So Ultimately. Much ado about nothing, really, but we do have to start hitting some of these uh, these deep passes. I'm not going to say 50-50 balls. I'm going to say deep passes, because in the CFL, it's not a dink and dunk offense kind of league. You've got to be able to make those splash plays. Every other team, except for Ottawa, really seems
2: to be making them. So we gotta got to hit them here in Ryderville. That's not nice. Ottawa made a couple of them tonight. They just were for Toronto instead.
1: Their uh,
2: auto is a bad team.
1: Too bad they what does don't that play say about Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. too bad they don't play Edmonton more often because they'd uh, have a much better record. Um, talking oh, no, about... we suck again. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You do. Talking about 50 uh, 50 balls, uh, moving the offense a little bit more. Riders making a splash themselves, signing Duke Williams.
0: Second no, highest pay, pay, paid uh, receiver on the team. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, yep. Um, right behind Shaq Evans of course this is pro-rated so he's not making the full amount for the rest of the year but he's in quarantine right now he's not going to be available this game against the Stampeders and then of course we have the bye week next week but it sounds like they're going to have him in play for the third game of Stamptober against the Stamps next next week so I'm not saying this is the missing piece of the offensive puzzle but this is going to be a huge addition at least until Shaq is back Steve, you mentioned that uh, they, the team said that Shaq is, Evans is three to four weeks from being back. So maybe Duke Williams carries the,
2: the offensive load for receivers for the first two games without Shaq. I'm, I'm not going to say that Duke Williams is the missing piece, but Duke Williams is the missing piece. 100%. He's exactly what this roster needs. And if you don't want to say it, I absolutely will. He gives them that deep threat. He gives them that guy that will go up and make those plays that, that we're missing. He instantly makes this offense a hundred times better. And now Schaefer Baker is suddenly going up against your third or fourth DB after the, the month he's had. I I can't wait to see the, that third game in, in uh, Calgary in a couple of weeks.
0: When Shaq's healthy, it's going to be Shaq, Duke, Kyron Moore, Uh, Schaefer Baker and they had in picked in this past week. So he is probably almost ready to go if he's not hundred percent yet. Um, uh, Lenny is out there. Like, I don't know who, who matches with our receivers right now. We, unfortunately we do need to hit the deep ball, but I, I put our receiver court against anyone in this league. My only
1: concern is that with Duke Williams, When we've seen receivers come back to the CFL after spending time in the the NFL, regardless of whether it was one season, whether it's three seasons like Duke Williams, they are not the same when they come back to the CFL. There's just something missing because the CFL and the NFL, they are different games, especially for receivers. You got the waggle and, and they're way, way different coverage in the NFL than you have in the CFL. CFL is a lot more kind of passive coverage. The NFL is press coverage. It's very, very aggressive. I'm not going to hold my expectations super, super high for Duke Williams because I kind of expect that little lull while he gets back into CFL game shape. But if there's anybody available that can just kind of jump into an offense and immediately have success, it is Duke Williams. So while while it's a fantastic signing, I'm going to hold my expectations just a little bit lower for this one.
2: I'll I'll have the high expectations for both of us. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, you, you have to remember this is a guy that was making plays in the playoffs for the Buffalo Bills last season. Like we're not talking about a guy who spent three years on a practice roster. He was there making plays. He he's got he's young enough that he's going to come back here looking for a shot down south. If I'm a Ryder fan right now, I'm not racing out to buy his jersey. He's gone again in December. He yep. will be back down south, and this is all about building game film. I, I think a lot of times you have those guys coming back, and maybe they lose that, that edge, that desire for a little bit. He's gonna get that. He's gonna want that film to go right back down south. He's gonna come in flying at a hundred percent.
0: And the the scouting uh, accounts of why he got cut this year is because apparently he lost a step. He was a bunch of the younger receivers were faster than he was off the line because of course they don't have the waggle in the states. So he was starting flat footed. I think a waggle is gonna help him a lot in the CFL, but. Well, uh-huh. you look
1: at the you look at the Bills receiver. They have Steph Diggs, Cole Beasley in the slot, Emmanuel Sanders they picked up in free agency. He can play the slot and the outside, and then they have a young guy in Gabe Davis. So it's kind of a numbers game there too. Oh yeah, you and your knights.
0: Yeah, no, no yeah. one cares about the knights.
2: <laughs> hey, national champions, man! One time.
0: Give <laughs> So was our,
2: so our flag football team. <laughs>
1: um and of yeah, course we actually got invited to a championship game <laughs> yeah um and of course uh jordan williams lambert as we mentioned out for the rest of the year craig you mentioned that sounds like he's uh back home in the u.s recuperating and uh, makes you wonder what happened there um some sort of ligament damage or tendon damage or something but something's not right for jwl and hopefully he can uh,
2: get that figured out for next year i guess even if he's not healthy, I don't know that he cracks this roster. Like, does he, do you put him on the practice roster anyways? Because he's sitting fifth, sixth in, on the American uh, receivers list after Duke Williams signed. I, or do you I,
0: sign Duke if he's healthy?
2: Absolutely, they do. Nothing. Nothing that JWL has done since he came back has has made you think that he, he he's the kind of guy that we're talking about. How they go down south, they come back, and they're a shadow of their their former selves. He just hasn't been the same guy since he since he left. And that was just a guy who was gone for one off season.
1: So we'll see what happens there with Jordan Williams Lambert in the I guess in December and and post. So we'll see what happens there. That's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festian of Royal Apache Regina Realty as we jump to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. As I'm enjoying a wonderful Churchill blonde lager right now,
0: I can't find it in Calgary. If anyone knows where I can find Churchill in Calgary, let me know. That's garbage.
1: And that's another reason why we hate Calgary. Yes. Belgian, Belgian white over here.
0: I will get, uh, we'll have some when I get home on Friday.
1: Okay. Let's, uh, I, I do have a question I want to throw out to you guys. Do we want to do, the Alice Ticats first from last week, or do we want to talk about Eddie Steele first?
0: If we start talking Alex and Eddie Steele, we're not stopping. So. <laughs> okay,
1: then We'll we'll start really quick with this Alice Ticats. And this kind of fed into the Ryder game last week against Calgary and a lot of CFL games this year. The first 50 minutes of the Alice Ticats game were god awful. That was a terrible game. That was boring. I was sleeping on the couch off and on during that game. It it did not keep me awake. It was terrible. And every time I woke up to look at something, oh, look, another punt. Great. That's exciting. But the the final 10 minutes of Montreal coming back, taking the lead, and then the Ticats kicking a 56-yard field goal, barely making it, sending it to overtime, then fumbling the ball in overtime, and Montreal winning it on a field goal. The last 10 minutes were absolutely fantastic. So my question to you guys is, does the ending of that game make up for the crappy first 50
2: minutes of it?
0: Hashtag no lead is safe.
2: That was was one of the best endings to a CFL game I've seen in a long time. If I have to sit through 50 minutes of garbage to watch that every week, I do it in a heartbeat.
1: And this is where I had an,
2: uh, an argument with my boss at work because he hates basketball, hates the NBA.
1: Well, if the game just comes down to the final two minutes, why am I watching the first 46? Exactly with the CFL this year. So why am I tuning into the whole games? They're terrible so far.
2: Because there's the hope that the first three quarters might be good eventually. Like there's been, I, there's I, been a couple of them.
0: Like, I don't, I don't hate, and this is one thing I like with the CFL, and I was kind of joking once I no lead is safe. It's true. In the CFL, so much can happen in such a short span of time that it doesn't matter if it's a horse race the entire game, and you're just watching a tennis match, score after score after score. It's it's going to be it's going to be a wild finish, or unless you're playing the red blacks and then just a blow and you just walk away. But normally, like yeah, like you get like and even those crappy games. Like okay, this game sucks, but also next thing you know, in the last three minutes you're scoring points, and this game's going to overtime, or it's going to be one final drive to bring it to the end like look at that rider bc game this year like same idea like the cfl even if the game's crappy the finish is always wild.
1: well and even going back to the beginning of the year bc beating calgary 15 to 9 that was a terrible game there was the uh the bombers uh win oh whatever week it was week four i think um against calgary was 18 16 absolutely terrible game they won because of a field goal at the end. It doesn't make the game better. Like, that just, like, okay, the ending had a field goal. Great. But the game itself was terrible. And if somebody says, hey, I'm going to tune in and watch a CFL game and you watch an
0: 18-16 game, woof. And that's always been my problem with the, trying to market the CFL. It's easy to, like, and that's why the Red Zone channel is so popular. Is it's, but You don't have to watch a full game anymore in the in the NFL. Like, if you're interested in the game, watch the game. But it's really easy to switch to one of the other five games that's happening at that time. In the CFL, you got one game at a time. So you're kind of stuck watching that game. So it better be good. And I think fantasy football has a lot to do
1: with that and the growth of fantasy football, especially in the NFL compared to the CFL, where you want to see touchdowns, you want to see points scored, and you're going to see that on red zone. So I I love red zone. I think it's fantastic. If the CFL had something like that for two games on at the same time, I know they're never going to have two games on at the same time, but at times I wish they would. So you can jump back and forth and it's a little bit more exciting, even if you're just flipping the channel yourself
0: when they do those marathon Saturdays, when you got three games back to back, they're better off overlapping, but who are you going to put it on Sportsnet, CTV? Like you, you got unfortunately TSN is the only rights holder.
1: Do hope the league is looking into that for the future. Um, Argos red blacks game tonight for our game picks. We all picked Toronto. Yes. I wanted to, I wanted to pick Ottawa. I really, really did, but I didn't, but like, like Christina, about-
0: like she, she was living dangerously on that one. I kind of made fun of her on that one. That was, <laughs> that's the only wow. way she's
1: going to pick up games on anybody, right? Um, Charleston Hughes was with, was a healthy scratch for the Argos in that. Of course, they get Shane Ray back at defensive end, uh, former Bronco first round pick. Is that it for Charleston Hughes? Now he's he hasn't done anything
2: all year. Now he's a healthy scratch. Is he done? Yes. yes. I I find that really interesting. The timing for his for his benching. They had ample opportunity to do it the first few weeks. The last couple of weeks, he's actually made plays. I think I saw something like he had half of his sacks or all of his sacks were in the last two weeks, both of them, and half of his tackles. Like he's actually been making plays and then they bench him. But yes, I think I think we've more or less seen the, the decline. That year off can't have been good for, for a guy his age. And we talked about that on this show as
1: well too. Just that That was a guy that needed to play last year to keep going. And that's just how he's built. Everyone's wondering how he can continue to lead the league in sacks year after, year after year, after year, after year, when at his age, well, it's because he keeps playing and that year off, I think that was it. And and this is the end of, of Charleston Hughes as
0: an elite player in the league anyway. I I look forward to him on the TSN panel because you know, he, that's where he's going with that personality. he will be wait. somewhere.
2: he will be somewhere for oh. sure.
0: I can't wait. It I'd love about-
2: to see a panel with him and Derek Dennis side by side, with with Nick Lewis thrown in there too, just for uh, just for chaos. Well, you you,
0: you know Charleston Hughes can't go on a radio or on a radio broadcast because he'll get kicked off in the first week.
1: Well, I put Charleston and Derek Dennis together. I wonder who uh, breaks their hand first or whatever, because uh, <laughs> as the story goes in Calgary, that's how Charleston Hughes broke his hand was uh punching Derek Dennis in the chest in practice broke his hand and was unable to play in the playoffs that year um but you mentioned TSN personalities well guess who's a new employed uh TSN in Edmonton uh personality Eddie Steele um former rider of course was also with the uh the Edmonton franchise years before that (laughs) This is quite the story that's uh, come out in the last day here. Eddie Steele fired from 630 Ched in Edmonton. They're the radio rights holder to uh, broadcast Elks games in Edmonton. And we've had Eddie Steele on the show. We've had him in person in the studio when we used to record in studio in person. And wonderful guy. Wonderful guy. We'll always tell you what what he thinks, but he's never super, super like critical or mean about it. Just a great guy. Fired from 630 Ched for basically saying the problem with the Elks right now is Brock Sunderland. Guys, there are some major, major issues here with the Edmonton Elks.
0: Culture? I think it's the culture. It's always the culture.
1: Yeah, and as Eddie said himself, I guess I wasn't a cultural fit.
0: <sighs> there is... I get it. I kind of get it. When you are a rights holder for a team, it doesn't matter if it's CFL, NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, there's a fine line that you need to walk between carrying the team's water and being honest to your listener or your viewer or whatever. I get it. However, what Eddie said was not salacious. It wasn't um rude it wasn't even wrong to be honest but apparently Brock Sutherland has such a thin skin he made it a big deal and forced 630 Ched to cut ties with Eddie Steele so by Sutherland doing this it just blew up and then when that and then I'm sure we'll go and talk about the domino effect that caused today
1: yeah because
0: the Elks had a really bad day and I had a great day on Twitter because apparently they just inspire me.
1: So we'll pull back the curtain here a little bit. As I've mentioned a few times, not very often, but I do work. I'm the producer of the green zone on CJME and CKOM and CKRM 620, of course, being the rider uh, rights holders for, for broadcasting games here. There's a reason why they have a new voice of the riders. And it was because of what was said with a hot mic. Luke Mullender went on Twitter today and said, this is why, you know, places like CJME and CKRM hire players is to get that honest opinion, that assessment, somebody that's in the room that knows this kind of stuff. That's why we get it is to get that to the listeners. What Luke, I think was wrong with was him saying that, um, without bringing up his thread here, I should have it in front of me. Unfortunately, I don't. But like you mentioned, Greg, there is that fine line. You still are, even though you're not directly employed by the team, even though you're paying the team for the rights, you still have to be careful what you say about the team. You can kind of criticize, but you can't. And when it's Edmonton, who has a long history of always being a very good team, making the playoffs every single year, they're 0-4 at home. This is a 2-5 and team that just lost twice to, Edmund- or to Ottawa this year. And Ottawa shouldn't be winning games at all with their roster. And they've lost to them twice. Like, there's, there's no painting that picture nice for Edmonton right now. This is a crappy team, an absolutely god-awful team. And I'm, I picked them to win the great cup this year before the season started and to get rid of Eddie Steele. I get why it was done. And he also said in his tweet, I realized what my mistake was, which was speaking the truth. But Greg, like you said, it wasn't a malicious comment. It wasn't, he wasn't giving out specifics. He was basically just saying that the problem starts with Brock Sunderland and He should be able to even on the rights broadcast standard to say that's the problem because that's what fans want to hear. Why is this team so bad? Well, it's, it's the GM. So I think it's garbage that he got fired for it. And we're actually going to have Eddie Steele on next week as well. He's agreed to join us. We just have to figure out a time that works for him. And I can't wait to get the story directly from him. Maybe there'll be another Derek Dennis episode where he <laughs> just takes over and goes off for 20 minutes. And I'm all for it because I want to hear the full story. But I think you're cheating the fans. If you're 6'30 if you're Chet and you're the Edmonton Elks by not letting, like, obviously, you don't want to have bad press out there if you're the Edmonton Elks. But when your team is 2-5, and five and you lost two games to Ottawa this year, there is no such thing as good press right now.
0: And let's be honest, it's not like, and you kind of brought up, are the local story here. But Winnipeg also was in the same boat when a bunch of the um, uh, Winnipeg riders refused to vote um, on Andrew Harris as the most outstanding player after the, uh, after his um, drug, uh, drug test test. and the team punished them. It is, it's garbage. It's absolute garbage that these teams can't look inward. Like I, I get it. I do. Like I said, it, it, there's a fine line, but these are they're broadcasters, they're news, and then the, they're news guys. Most of them are, new, are news. And you are making them suffer because they are not carrying your water. And don't get me wrong, to a certain effect, we've kind of felt that in the past, but we're idiot podcasters. Who cares what we say? My mom. Oh, At least your mom cares. Yeah. Hi, mom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't, that was just the tip of the iceberg. So we could, we'll, we'll talk to Eddie Steele next week and get the full story there. And I mean, like I said, I think it's garbage that basically being censored for it. I get why he was let go, even though I don't agree with it. I get it. It's stupid, but that's kind of the way that the Homer business is right.
2: If you're Brock Sunderland and you hear Eddie Steele talking about the terrible job you're doing, do you honestly think in his position, he thinks he's doing a good job? Yes. Look at the, look at that team when he joined, if I remember correctly, he was uh, Jones's replacement, right? Or was there somebody in between them?
0: No, he came over from Otto after Jones left.
2: Right. So he, he took over a great cup winning team and they have continued getting worse every single year. And like in the standings wins and losses, they are getting worse every year. And this is going to be no exception. They're going to finish at the bottom of the West. I mean, he has to think at, at some point, maybe it's him.
0: No, right. He no, he doesn't. That's, that's the thing. Also, he, you have to realize that when a guy is critical of you, slitting his throat literally the next week is going to make you the first suspect in the murder. Like, it is that simple. Like, do do, do the smart thing. Wait, wait until the season's over and congratulate the guy on 20 years quietly in a press release and let him go. That's what you do.
1: I want to know if you're Brock Sunderland, why do you care? Why do you care what Eddie Steele thinks of the job you're doing? Eddie Steele has no pull on your job. Eddie Steele is not going to get you fired. Your actions will get you fired. Not what An analyst says that's what analysts are paid to do is to say things like that. And that's what Eddie Steele did and it's absolute garbage that Brock basically is so thin-skinned that he can't take that kind of criticism.
0: But it got worse! It got worse!
1: (laughs) And the news came out after that back in 20, it must have happened in 2019, Brock Sunderland and Joey Moss, who we know is an Edmonton icon, Edmonton sports icon, banned him from the locker room. This is, Joey Moss started out in Edmonton with the Oilers yeah. and with Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky got him in there as a locker room attendant. And it was always, that was Joey Moss's place. You do not mess up that locker room because you'll have to deal with Joey and that's just and it happened in Commonwealth Stadium as well he got the job in there and it was him and uh, Dwayne Mandruziak for 49 years and look at last year 2020 they fired Dwayne Mandruziak after 49 years didn't even give him a 50th year this year he wasn't getting paid last year anyway yeah so there was no season and they fired him why like you're not paying him anyway. You're only paying him if there's games and he's doing stuff in the stadium. Well, clearly he's not. So you pay him CERB or Qs or whatever kind of uh wage subsidy that he's going to get. Give him that 50th year, even if you do kind of want to move on from him. Fine, I guess. Get him that 50 years. He's been there for 49 years. He deserves that. But this, But to ban Joey Moss from the locker room and then so the Edmonton Elks put out a statement saying we deny that he was ever banned from commonwealth stadium no edmonton that is not what's being questioned here the locker room that's what's being questioned here was he banned from the locker room and they didn't answer that and that tells me right there the elks are guilty and that block Sunderland is guilty
2: it wasn't that he was banned. Whether or not they he was banned from Commonwealth, they said he was still part of the organization.
0: No one asked for had- him to be removed from the organization. Yeah,
2: nobody said he was removed from the organization. People said he was banned from the locker room. Like to not to to go out of your way to answer a question that wasn't asked, while ignoring the one that everybody wants to know it says everything, and yeah. their silence since has said everything.
0: And the the worst and the timing of it is both sad and almost too delicious is because recently the Oilers unveiled the monument to Joey at the entrance or the exit, I guess, to, of the dressing room. Cause Joey was also known to be standing at the, standing in that spot, giving every player a high five on the way out. So you have this like brass uh, statue attached to the wall of Joey giving a high five. So the guys can still give Joey a high five on the way out. And then you find out that Brock thought he apparently thought he was a distraction and couldn't be in the locker room anymore. Yet after his passing, they couldn't put a joy Moss sticker faster on their, I almost swore faster on their helmets. Like this is garbage, this franchise. And, and yes, I make, I make fun of Parkies and um, Andrew empire. Andrew all the time, or formerly empire. Andrew, Andrew all the time about, calling the formerly known team formerly known as the team that we can't say as the shining example of this league and then you got this garbage going on like how like that was a fast fall 2015 was when chris jones left 5 years later you guys are at the bottom of the league and you are a tire fire enjoy it
2: I'm well gonna... that's just it the 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 edmonton eskimos prior to this year were the pinnacle they were the team to be and then and they built a, a pretty solid uh, what what would you call it they, they they got some good press by doing the the name change that had to happen and it's uh, great that it did happen but it seems like this last 48 hours has taken any good press from that name change and gone well okay they're doing this but in the background they're still they're still but they doing the name
0: change. They, they had to be drug kicking and screaming
2: into the name change. But, it, but at least they did it. They, they got there eventually. So, I mean, they, they built some goodwill there, but there is none left. And if, and like people could, people could live with what the team did to Mandruziak. There was, there was some outpouring, some outcry when it happened, but it, it died down. And you see it pop up every now and again. And there's a lot of fans that still love what he did for the team. But you don't mess with Joey Moss. Like that, That's like the next level. And to, to make that call, to call him a distraction in the locker room, it just, like you said, the, the free fall that they're on is shocking to me.
0: We talked about his uh, vaccination status that apparently he got exemption for, which I guarantee you he paid for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm not even going to touch that one. You know what? Whatever. (laughs) Because he can still do his job remotely as GM. So whatever. If he doesn't want to get vaxxed, fine. I don't really care anymore about that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I agree. The optics on that obviously don't look very good, especially when you do the math and you figure out probably only about what? five, six people in Edmonton maybe should be having that full exemption based off the the data that's out there of how many people
0: should actually be exempt. And considering they, they they had the COVID issues, it obviously comes from up top. Like this
1: is, and I mean, we were talking with Derek Dennis not too long ago here on the show. This organization has just absolutely turned from, like you said, Steve, the pinnacle to absolute trash to the point where Ottawa is looking much better than you right now. And this is, and that's a garbage team right now, but at least they're not the Edmonton Elks, but yeah, to go on, to go after Joey Moss like that, then that news coming out, that was just, that was too much. That's like I said, Edmonton icon. There's no one more liked in Edmonton than like Wayne, there's Wayne, Gretzky. And then on top of him, there's Joey Moss. <laughs> Joey Moss is more liked in Edmonton than Wayne Gretzky is. And that should really tell you something right there. And to say he's a distraction, what kind of distraction is Joey Moss? He's not. He's, he was uplifting. Everyone was better when they were around him. They were happier when they were around him. And, and that's just for me. I never had the pleasure of actually meeting Joey Moss, but that was just from everybody that I know that worked in Edmonton and and got the chance to be in that locker room or one of those two locker rooms like the Oilers and to do that was absolute just garbage absolute garbage and that's
2: putting it very nicely I almost cursed We we haven't been this heated about something in a while
0: and the worst part it's about the Elks it's not even about our team
2: stuff that could be easily avoided but we'll uh so here here's the question for you guys is brock sunderland still the gm week one next year
0: not next no. year no they'll no. let him finish the year
2: yeah he finishes the year you
1: let go of someone said who, who loses their job first brock Sunderland or uh, urban meyer and uh urban. i say brock sunderland only because uh this, the cfl season ends before the nfl season <laughs> yeah Sunderland's gone man like you you can't be keeping this around
0: no like they're basically he because this is a community-owned team someone's got to stand in front of all the bullets because uh, someone above him has to know about this and if they don't there's gonna be a lot of questions
1: it's president Chris Preston he's the guy that has to stand up and answer to all this so it's operation human
0: shield until you get through the end of the year and then you release him because the team is terrible and you blame him for performance it's that simple
1: well, there's your Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Let's get to our enemy preview, Riders Stamps this week, of course, at Mosaic Stadium on Saturday. Are we finally going to see Jason Moss figure out how to use Kyron Moore this week?
0: No. I have no faith in Jason Moss knowing how to use Kyron Moore. I really don't. He's not a, he, Kyron Moore is not a deep threat. He is the guy that you throw underneath and shakes guys off. Um... Although he's got to stop doing that uh, matador move. Like it's worked like once or twice and looks cool, but the guys are now are sitting on it. They're they're waiting for him to do it before they try to tackle him. So uh, I I don't think Jason Moss knows how to use Kyra Moore.
1: I just want to see him use more in that 10 to 15 yard range, that intermediate route range. Cause right now it's all close to line of scrimmage screens, hitches, uh, really quick slants like three yard slants not even eight yard slants but it's short 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 stuff and that's you got to get them running into open space let them do crossers 10 yard you know start on one side of the formation go all the way to the other 10 15 yards get them open get them running have Fajardo hit them in space now of course we could talk about the O-line and not giving Fajardo enough time to let that happen that's been an issue all year but they got to figure it out. They got to figure something out there. Now, running the ball on offense, William Powell had a near seven-yard average last week against the Stamps, but he only touched the ball like 10 times. Get him the ball in the first half. That's what's missing, because it always seems like, oh, we only have two carries. Okay, let's start getting him the ball in the third. And then he starts moving the ball. Where is this in the first half? So I, I I kind of fully expect to see Powell get not 20 carries, but closer to that 15 to 18 range this week.
0: It it's hard to get your uh, play action going if you're not actually gonna hand off the ball. Like they're not they're not gonna respect it at all unless you actually hand off the ball. Like the entire first quarter, we kept on doing play action with no actual handoff. It's like okay, Calgary's like, oh, well, screw it. Until you actually hand off the ball, we're not we're actually not gonna fall for it. So and you got William Powell. Like, why not? I don't get it.
1: It feels like they're almost trying to save him for later in the year, but you can't do that in a 14 game season. Like, the end of the year is coming up right away. We're halfway through, more than halfway through this regular season.
0: We, Jeez, we're in mid October. Like, come on. We're going to save him for like the season. cold weather
2: games. Shut up, Greg. And uh, the
1: other storyline going into this game is uh, on Bo Levi Mitchell. Of course, he didn't even finish the last game. Got popped, and uh, his shoulder popped out of place again. Um, he says his shoulder is effing good to go. I don't I think it don't is, believe guys. him. Yeah, I, I, I fool me once, Bo Levi Mitchell. Fool me twice, but like, he, there's no
0: way he's good to go. A couple of those balls that he threw last week looked like they were flying south for the winter. Like they were quacking. <laughs> i i i don't see him starting and if he does start it's a really short reach i
2: i think that if he does start the first first or second hit he takes you're going to see him back on the sidelines
1: we're definitely going to see jake mayer play in this game for sure i just i just don't know who Makes their offense better right now because Mayer hasn't been bad. He hasn't been amazing by any means, but this is also a you know a rookie quarterback. And part of me still wants to think that yeah, as much as we've seen the decline of Bull Levi Mitchell this year and and 2019, basically due to injuries. In my mind, this is still Bull Levi Mitchell, though. Like this is still the guy who's getting to Grey Cups and winning them and has the best winning percentage in history. Like this is still the guy, right? So part of me still thinks that's, that that's still going to happen, but I just don't trust the the shoulder
0: anymore. Don't get me wrong. Like he, he still carved up the Riders' defense, but I think they were expecting Bo Levi Mitchell zinging it in there. And they were too busy playing the hard ball. Meanwhile, the receivers knew that they were getting ducks and they were coming underneath all the time. I, he's not the Bo Levi Mitchell that we're used to but the guy still makes smart plays still makes smart plays
1: i'm looking forward to seeing what the defense does this week because uh after that slow start last week where they gave up the, the two quick touchdowns in the first like i said they only gave up nine points the rest of the game and if you can hold any cfl team to only nine points in the final three quarters you should be doing pretty good so they're uh the defense will always give this team a chance so this will be uh I'm not going to say it's going to be a cakewalk by any means, but it should be a pretty interesting game here coming up on Saturday.
0: I had the riders winning two against the stamps this year. So they've got to win these next two. Is
2: this, this last little bit is sounding way too much? Like we talked last week. I, I, I'm substantially less confident going into this one only because, you know, fool you once, shame on me, fool you twice. Never get fooled again. <laughs> right. And that's, that's where we are. They're uh I don't know. This this feels like a trap game. And it's weird well, to, to have a trap game after you're playing the team that just beat you. But there's no reason this team should lose to that team
0: twice. I, think, I, also, I also think this game is going to be a slugfest. Penalties are going to be uh, a lot of them. Wow, well, that's we even, the case with we, the Riders all the time.
1: We haven't even talked about penalties uh, for this Riders team this this year, uh, oh, at brutal. least on this episode right now. But they're they're so undisciplined mm-hmm. 23 or 24 offside penalties and the next closest is at 13. Like I know like four of them were on that one play earlier in the year on the goal line, but like they're so undisciplined. And I don't know what it is about Craig Dickinson, but that it comes from him. Like that your, your head coach needs to rein that in. And for whatever reason, it's not happening.
0: Well, Craig reminds me of grandpa Kenny and we had the same issues with Kenny. Ken, the riders had a lot of penalties back then too, and stupid penalties because Ken would give them the tough love, grandpa speech, and they'd feel bad about it. And then they would go make the stupid mistakes again. And he'd, he'd get the tough love and it's, but at the same time, the guys will run, run through a wall for the, go, for the coach. So I don't know. It's, I, I love, I love Craig. I really do. But at some point he needs an enforcer behind him and basically carrying the stick.
2: And I wish it was just offside penalties that they're, they're leading the league in, but it's not. It's offsides, it's uh, no yards penalties and roughing penalties. They're far and away the most undisciplined team in the league right now. And that'll work against the, the Edmontons and the Ottawa's and the Hamilton's at the beginning of the year teams. But we're getting into the tough, tough games now. You can't be doing that week in and week out and expect to win a lot of football games sure as hell ain't going to beat Winnipeg
1: that way. And everyone's chasing Winnipeg right now in the playoffs because they're far and away the best team in the CFL and you're not going to beat them by taking so many unnecessary, especially the, the roughing penalties, the 15 yarders, you're never going to beat Winnipeg by taking two, three, four of those a game. So without further ado, let's get to our pick this week. As we say this, we already know the score of the Toronto Ottawa game. But luckily for us, we all picked Toronto, so there's a big check mark for all of us right beside there.
0: Like I said, no no one picked uh, Ottawa except for Christina. No one, no.
1: Um, unless they're playing Edmonton, I'm not picking Ottawa ever. Um, Even if they did
0: play Edmonton, I used probably still would pick Ottawa because I don't trust Ottawa.
1: I don't know. Edmonton at Winnipeg on Friday. This is just going to go from a really bad, bad, bad week from Edmonton to, to worse, right? Like, Winnipeg is just going to wipe the floor with them.
0: Oh, Yeah, the no good, terrible, very bad week for Edmonton is going to continue.
2: There's no way Winnipeg doesn't win this game by, by double digits.
0: And like I said, I swore I was going to pick against Winnipeg every game this year. I can't. I legitimately can't on this game.
2: As long as so they're playing like- the way they are right now, I can't see
1: myself picking against them again. So that's on Friday. On Saturday, we have Calgary here against the Riders.
0: I got to take the Riders in this one. They they can lose back-to-back to to the Stamps because that could really screw up the entire season if they do. So I can't.
2: I'm taking Calgary. I'm sorry. I do think the Riders win.
1: And for the good of Riderville and Rider fans, that's why I'm picking Calgary. Because the last three weeks, I've been completely wrong about all three router games. So, for that put reason, put on will,
0: your Bo Levi Mitchell I jersey will. now.
1: That is not my jersey. I don't know who photoshopped
2: that on my body.
0: I was there for the picture. Nice try.
2: You were not. I, they can't photoshop, photoshop how excited you were to be in that jersey. And cut ice with those things. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to say it, but you're right. Uh, um, Ottawa at Montreal on Thanksgiving Monday. Guys, it's Thanksgiving. Holy crap. Yeah. Ottawa at Montreal. Montreal.
0: Montreal. <laughs> Montreal. Yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, finally, a, a huge game. Toronto at Hamilton.
2: Mm. I'm going I'm to flip a coin. Hang on. I legit have no idea how to pick this one.
0: Toronto's on the short week,
2: but uh,
0: Hamilton. It feels wrong. Hamilton.
1: Hamilton has only lost once at home at Tim Hortons Field with Orlando Steinauer yep. as their head coach. And that was last week in an absolute collapse and a wild finish against Montreal. I can't see them losing another one at home especially the very next week when they have the rest and Toronto doesn't. So it's got to be Hamilton, but that's going to be a really close game
2: because Toronto looks pretty good this year. I'm going to go Toronto to win twice this week.
1: Well, we'll see what happens this upcoming week here in the CFL, of course, uh, game on Monday. And then uh, I think we're back to normal next week. It's been a really weird, weird last couple of weeks for, we've had a Tuesday game. We have a Wednesday game this week. We have Monday games, of course. That's with Thanksgiving. And yeah, we're back to normal next week with uh,
2: Friday. Wacky
0: CFL games. schedule. You know, you know
2: what? I love this past week as a football fan, because there's college football on Saturday, CFL or NFL on Sunday, Monday, CFL on Wednesday. We don't, we don't have another day without football until next Tuesday. Give me all the football. Just you throw in a random wait. fall league.
1: You can't wait until uh, Edmonton has to play their three games in six days. Oh. So this game on Saturday, game on Tuesday, game on Friday.
2: That's great. <laughs> Give me more
1: football. Make every team play three games in seven days. Good luck passing that through the CBA. <laughs> Good thing you're not an agent, Steve. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Of course, we're brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festian of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. We're a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Greg, it's uh, your time to, time to shine and uh, hit the karaoke button. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. The ghost
0: behind you